Hey guys, I just wanted to pop in before this awesome episode and remind you all, do not forget that Eugen is available in 51 countries on Apple Books. And I would love it if you guys went on to your Apple Books through your iPhone or your iPad or anywhere that you like to um, really kind of utilize the Apple Bookstore and search Eugen Magazine and you will see it pop up right away. Danessa is right on the cover and I would love to hear you guys' feedback. We've had such great response already and I cannot wait to see more and more reviews come up and pop up on the actual bookstore itself. So again, if you go onto your Apple Books, search Eugen Magazine, Y-U-G-E-N, lowercase, and just you know, check it out. I think you'll love it. But leave us your comments, leave us your reviews, and don't forget to give us five stars and a written review. Thank you guys so much, and I hope you love this episode coming up with Dr. Giannis. Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is your host, Ekta, and I am so excited today. This is such a special, uh, you know, episode and interview for me because I think um, our guest today is definitely one of, if not my favorite uh, medical practitioners. He is brilliant. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, you know, I, I just want to mention, though, that, you know, not only is is he a physician in one country, he's a physician in two countries, a surgeon, plastic surgeon in two countries, both in America and Europe. So he's board certified in both places. Uh, so that should give you an idea of how smart he is. And then also he is the founder, uh, one of the founders of 111 Skin and has his own practice on Harley Street, 111 Harley Street. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Dr. Giannis Alexandridis, who is um, the founder of 111 Skin. Welcome to the show, Dr. Giannis. Again, I'm so excited to host you. Hello, Ekta. I'm uh, also very excited to be back on the show. Uh, as uh, I was remembering, it was 2020 when we had uh, another opportunity to be together and uh, uh, very excited to share with you uh, everything that uh, is important for your uh followers and uh, for the trends in in plastic surgery. Yes, no, I'm very excited to chat with you. And I, um, you know, I really want to kind of dive into this episode a little differently than we did the one-on-one skin, because for everyone listening, I want you to reference our original episode as well after you listen to this one, because in the first one, we had both Dr. Giannis and his amazing wife, Eva, on as well. So just, you know, if you want more information, you can always go back to that episode. But this one, I really, Dr. Giannis, I want to dive into your practice and your work, because like I said, you're truly a pioneer of our time and I'm just so excited to learn more from you so really my first question for you is um one on Harley Street you know your practice um what was the info the inspiration behind the clinic and and what is it that really makes it a point you know what's the point of differentiation there for you you know when you look at it uh, I established my plastic surgery clinic in Harley Street back in 2000 and uh, I was a new uh, arrival in London at that time. I have to say by birth, I'm Greek, but I have studied in plastic surgery in the United States. Uh, I graduated from uh, University of Miami uh, and I attained my board certification in plastic and reconstructive surgery there. For this reason, when I started my clinic in London, 
I envisioned to do a contemporary plastic surgery center that will encompass both surgical and non-invasive treatments under one roof. Something yeah. that back then was a very innovative idea as most of the surgeons practicing in London would be either doing one or the other. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes so, sense. And, and you know, and, and that's the thing is what I love about your work is that you are one of, if not the only real, pro, you know, plastic surgeons I've talked to that is able to explain the relevance of like skincare products on top of procedures. You know, that's one of my biggest like pull-ins, you know, with your work because uh, so many surgeons that I've spoken to, you know, other than you, yourself is they are either all about surgery or just, you know, and completely against skincare. So they don't have this like, you know, really holistic way of looking at their patients. So I find that to be really awesome about you is that you have this immense understanding of not only the, the surgical techniques, but also this, you know, biomedical understanding of what the skin needs and, and the physiology and all of that stuff. So I, I really love that, you know, and I'm glad that you incorporate that in your practice. I think I have to thank my patients most for that, because as you said, when you are trained to become a plastic surgeon, you really focus on your surgical techniques and your bedside manners, but you don't get any training about skincare and you don't really understand how this can advance the healing of your patient. However, yeah. once I started my practice, I realized that for most people, the number one consideration when having plastic surgery procedures is how much time they will need to be off work and off uh, social activities. So I yeah. wanted to find every method and every um, ingredient that will help me get them back to look normal again as soon as possible. And that's how one-on-one uh, -on -one skin uh, was created. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and, you know, and the products are very much geared. One thing I really, you know, I really liked off the bat, you know, two years ago when I first got introduced to the brand, the something I really loved was that you had made it to be such a, um, like, I could see it being used in, like, you know, in terms of, like, from a surgeon's perspective, like, the the biocellulose, the materials you were using, um, and then also from the consumer perspective, thinking about, you know, what really does work, you know, when it comes to, for example, masks, or when it comes to any kind of technology you're putting topically on. So it was this really easy way of, like, just, I think, as a consumer, to see what you were trying to accomplish here, and it was just, you know, it was, it blew my mind. So I want to actually ask you, you you know, you've done so many surgeries and, you know, you're, you're really, you know, at the top of the top. So I would love to tell you, for you to tell us, like, what is the most in-demand surgery uh, that you come across in your practice? Uh, in my practice, by far, the number one operation is rhinoplasty, nose jobs. Uh, I think this is an operation that I, from the beginning of my training, uh, focused on because I find it not only a complex and uh, intricately technical procedure, but also a procedure that you can implement aesthetics. And everybody yeah. can interpret aesthetics of the face in a slightly different way. Uh, and this is still uh, my number one operation, followed very closely by face and neck lifts. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Like, I feel like necks are becoming a thing now. Have you noticed? I, I mean, you have no time, but like on social media, I've been noticing people are very much focused on the neck area now, you know, in terms of like lifting it, refining it, whatnot. So that's very interesting. Um, but I want to know, yes, you know. Yes. It, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
No, I want to know, like, what the procedure is. Like, what do you, like, what is the whole, if you can kind of dumb it down for us, like, when you're working on someone's, like, more that neck delicate area, you know, what what are some of the things that we should know about? Uh, specializing in neck, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I, yes, I, I want to acknowledge that, indeed, the neck is such an important aesthetic area. And uh, often it was um, neglected in the operations we did before in the face, but now it's much recognized. I have um, uh, created a procedure which we call the Y facelift, which is a combined face and neck lift. And the special steps we look uh, to improve on the neck usually can be broadly defined in three different layers. The one is the layer of the skin. Obviously that's the one we see from the outside. When we see a neck losing its shape or having uh, too many wrinkles or uh, saggy skin, that's the one thing that we notice from the outside. But from the inside, it's a very complex area, anatomically an area that one needs to know its way very well in order to restore it in youthful uh, shape. So that's also the muscles which are underneath, but also the fat that sometimes can be in excess and mm. some other times rarely can be the salivary glands. So all these structures sometimes have to be addressed in order to get the best possible result in a neck lift. Interesting, that's very interesting. Yeah, I had heard somewhere that the neck is, uh, it's a very delicate area, you could say, you know? So it's it's very hard for surgeons to do it properly. You know, I think I had had uh, an opportunity to talk to somebody before that they were talking about how facelifts are, are getting more complicated, you know, as we go, because now people want different results and they want more and more and more. So as a surgeon, I'm sure that's uh, challenging, you know, to always come up with new ways and, and new techniques. It's true. And if you look at the trajectory of number of cases performed in the United States, uh, there was a decline of facelifts until very recently. But since the pandemic, there has been an increase in demand for facelifts and facelifts that, as you said, are addressing all the aging problems together with the neck. So now we see uh, going back to what we would call a more invasive facelift rather than less invasive facelift. Of course, this is not for all patients. For all plastic surgery, you need to have the proper advice from a qualified plastic surgeon and make sure that you are indeed what uh, we call an appropriate candidate for this procedure. But if you are, then an experienced plastic surgeon can address the deeper structures, the structures that will maintain the results for many, many years and also can create a natural result. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that it's just about that skilled eye as well. You know, it's like, I see a lot of people, you know, coming out of, uh, you know, training as, as surgeons. And I am always like, well, why don't you get a few years under your belt, you know, before you, <laughs> before you start treating everybody? Because, you know, I have some friends who've gone for plastic surgeries and I'm like, who did that? to you you know like who was the surgeon because sometimes you know people are you really do have to you for everyone listening out there that's why i'm saying this is you really have to know the person you're going to you know if you want to look natural and and beautiful and and you want your surgery to reflect the best of you you have to go to someone like really really skilled and if you're lucky you can you know go and see dr Giannis. but uh i'm sure he's booked for years to come <laughs> so um i want to ask you though dr Giannis. i know that one-on-one celebrated their 20th anniversary last year and I really want 
to know how you personally have seen the industry change over the last 20 years. Um, what are some things that have really stood out to you? Uh, yes, first of all, I would say that was the beginning of uh, the non-invasive treatments that actually changed the whole landscape for plastic surgery as well, because that in a way gave confidence to people that indeed in good hands, these treatments, these tweakments can really make you look better, can make you look uh, more youthful. And uh, that has a steady increase. So non-surgical treatments are year after year increasing in numbers. And I have to say now increasing in quality as well, as we're looking to um, have the proper training for all the practitioners who uh, perform these procedures. The sense. other trend is that uh, together with the non-invasive uh, treatments, surgery is on demand again. And mm. uh, in uh, the UK, uh, we have uh, breast augmentation as the number one operation in uh, the United States, we have rhinoplasty as number one operation in demand. So there's a little bit of a difference. Then we have the increased demand from men. Men now uh, are approx approximately 10% of all uh, patients that have elective uh, plastic surgery. And by that, I mean what we would call cosmetic surgery, right? Yeah. So these three trends have been um, almost constant since the early 2000s until now. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that much, that many men were electing to have surgery. That's really interesting. Yeah, uh, indeed. I think men also uh, gradually they're getting over the taboo that plastic surgery is only for women. Uh, they uh, accept uh, that they can see uh, improvements and also i think is the improvements in techniques where we have specific uh, techniques that are more adaptable to men and the results they want because usually men want much more natural results than women right right no i would imagine you know especially if you you know, because I think men in general, from what I've noticed in, in the consumer base, you know, from the skincare realm, I've noticed that men don't gravitate even with skincare lines towards things that are like too much. You know, it's like they want just balance. They just they're looking for like, you know, a more balanced routine. Like that's what I've noticed, you know, just uh, talking to, you know, consumers and whatnot. And so that makes sense what you're saying, where they're looking for this more natural look, more, you know, just subtle changes. That, But I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear that they're going and they're actually, you know, um, they're not shying away from good, you know, procedures. Uh, that's very important, I think, these days, you know, because men are not really spoken to much in the media. So I, I think that's a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I want to also ask you, you know, as a follow up to that is what trends in aesthetics um, and plastic surgery do you think um, are going to be big in 2023? I mean, do you think there's going to be any kind of shift that's going to happen or uh, do you think it's going to stay the same what you mentioned in plastic surgery i see a continuation in more technical operations in terms of facial operations facelifts and necklifts will be still uh, very much in demand again the deep plain facelifts especially becoming more um, now attractive as people understand the benefits of these techniques and also as they see results on social media that they can appreciate. Before uh, the event of uh, 
social media, it was more difficult to communicate to patients the differences between techniques and the expected outcomes. So one of the benefits is that in uh, uh, surgeons who have mastered this technique, they can really talk and explain what they can achieve with each particular step. So right. a, a facelift that is not just a facelift, but it usually uh, requires eyelid surgery, it requires sometimes uh, lip surgery, neck uh, surgery, but also maybe buccal fat removal. This is a, you know, a goal that a plastic surgeon uh, can discuss with a patient. And this is a trend I see more and more in the next year. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I think in plastic surgery, again, uh, be it the new techniques of using fat as we learn the molecular behavior of the fat cells, then we're able to use fat in a safer and more reliable way. So I use what we call micrografting very often uh, when I do a facelift in order to restore volume where, where it's lost. Mm. And uh, that gives uh, superior results. That's very interesting. The fat, the fat aspect is really interesting to me because I know what you're talking about and I've seen it on social media um, where people are talking about this very, but they don't know what they're talking about, you know, so I really want to get to know what you mean when you say that, because what is this, um, you know, what's going on with the fat cells, you know, like the adipose tissue that you're implanting, like, is it that they're, you know, telling cells to rejuvenate or re, you know, replicate? What is it that you've noticed is the big uh, change? With, with those kind of procedures. Yeah, it's a multi-dimensional effect. So fat cells are live cells that we take from the patient's own body using a very yeah. specialized technique. So it's not like liposuction. We want to preserve these uh, liposuccels, as we call them, alive. And then there are different ways of processing and removing all the impurities and just maintaining only pure fat cells. And those, you can make them so small and inject them as a liquid in the areas of the face that have lost volume. And we do know by having uh, reviewed thousands of pictures of aging faces and looking at CAT scans of aging faces that we lose volume as we age. So it's one of the ways that uh, we uh, age. So restoring volume in the right amount without overdoing it is really a very important step in rejuvenating a face. So. We, I make a plan before my uh, operation. It looks like a complicated map of somebody's face where all the different compartments are identified, which ones need, which ones don't need. And of course, every face is different, right? So there's yeah. not a, a cookie cutter approach to this. Every pa patient is unique and you have to make a plan according to where uh, you need to, to implant this volume. That makes sense. No, that and, and you know, I'm glad that you said that because, you know, for there's a lot of people still out there that are just saying, you know, I saw this celebrity or I saw this influencer, they look like this and they take their picture in and they're like, make me look like this. And it's like, that's just not practical. You know, you can't just pretend, you know, you can't just all of a sudden turn into Kim Kardashian, you know, by going to the plastic surgeons. Like, so I, I really want to know from your, you know, from your perspective, like, what do you think is really causing the shift or these trends? You know, do you think it's celebrities or do you think it's just the innovations really coming out in the field of aesthetics and plastic surgery? I think it's a lot of things coming together. So celebrities play a role and it's the duty of the plastic surgeon to really educate the patients. This is what I do during a consultation 
I try to take all the misconceptions away up from patients who, as you said, sometimes erroneously look at someone's face in a maybe modified picture on Instagram, and then they come back and they say, oh, I want to have this uh, look. So I try to explain the uniqueness of its face and also what are the attractive features and how we can achieve the best possible result for the particular person. Uh, I think also it is the advance in technology and expertise of plastic surgery where we now we can achieve more precise results, yeah. more reliable results and safer results. And also on top of that, we have the Im improvement in anesthesiology where uh, this has become much safer and uh, less um, difficult to recover from. So for example, uh, 99 of my facelifts go home the same day, even if this is a four to five hour operation, because the anesthetics are so um, minimal in side effects that they feel great to go home. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. So, you know, it's really the, it's the evolve the evolution of not just you know the the surgery and the the techniques themselves it's also you know the teams you know that are going into this i mean that that's really really cool and i i think that's really in the spirit of medicine right it's like this concerted effort between you know different disciplines and i really actually i find that to be interesting what you said because when i think about for example post-op care for people um i often you know i i get a little flustered when i see just consumers confused about that because right now what i'm seeing is a lot of brands are saying well these are great masks for post-operative care you know after you get plastic surgery done or you get some sort of micro needling work or whatever it may be and i always wonder to myself is like what would a real plastic surgeon say is the best way to do post-op care for yourself at home once you are discharged your home what would you recommend dr Giannis? like what are some like common techniques you tell your patients to practice as they're recovering I use on everybody, and I, I say everybody, the healing serum. So this is the, the white serum, one-on-one skin serum, because this is a product that I started the whole line on, and it's based on the key ingredient, NACY2. It contains glutathione. It contains NAC, which is important for the healing, and a very potent form of vitamin C. So this mm -hmm. is paramount, and I keep my patients a minimum of six weeks on this um, serum. Furthermore, I like to give them a supplement. I think it's not just what we give to the skin through the surface, but also what we take. And yeah. uh, we have created the Beauty Dose, which is a mixture of amino acids, vitamins, and elements that the skin needs to heal without problems. Finally, mm -hmm. in our clinic, we have a particular protocol on each operation where the patients see my nurses in very regular times and they have uh, lymphatic drainage massage, they have LED light treatments, all these modalities improve healing and actually improve the results as well. Patients really appreciate the, the post-operative care because the operation, as I say, for the patient is the easy thing. They, they are asleep, they wake up, everything's done. It's the recovery that they need the support. And yeah. doing these um, very useful treatments accelerates the healing and improves the results. I love that. And I think that's such a, that's a beautiful way to like really 
um, kind of, I think, understand topical uh, treatments, you know, for skin health. I, I, you know, oftentimes I find myself very baffled at people because they're like, you know, well, I, I'm using a product. And oftentimes when you look at their product, it's usually for something like after you have a procedure. And it's all, it blows my mind because I don't think people understand that, you know, when you, your skin is like disrupted in any kind of way, that's when you're really going to absorb a lot more because it's like actual tissue disruption. But like, yeah, I just see people falling into the hype of it. You know what I mean? It's like, they don't have any kind of procedure, but then they buy these products that are not meant for just normal routine care, you know? So um, I'm glad that you addressed that because I think there's very few brands who are doing that right, that realm of skincare. And so I, I really recommend to everybody listening, you know, if you are somebody who you're going through any kind of, um, you know, procedure, definitely go to the best brands. Like, you know, go shop one-on-one skin. <laughs> That's what you should do. <laughs> so um, Dr. Giannis, I want to ask, ask you my next question, which is really about the differences that you've noticed in both the UK versus the U.S. when it comes to plastic surgery and aesthetics? Like what are, whether that's, um, you know, I know you had mentioned the types of surgeries people are opting for, but any other kind of public views um, of plastic surgery that, you know, you think are different between the U.K. and the U.S.? Yes, I would like to put this in through the transient of time, starting from the 2000s to now. And I have to say that the United States uh, is more accepting of uh, cosmetic surgery. So I would have to say that perception of plastic surgeons ha has to be as plastic and reconstructive surgeons. So most of us, we are trained to do not only cosmetic surgery, but also reconstructive surgery. So uh, the perception of plastic surgery as into reconstructive surgery has always been something very positive within uh, society. When it gets to elective cosmetic surgery, uh, the mm -hmm. United States have been uh, faster to adopt techniques and also to create proper platforms for doctors to establish the right techniques and to perform the right operations and also educate the public. So just by numbers only, in the United States, there's 7,000 plastic surgeons and that's by far the most uh, in any country of the world. Brazil comes uh, second by having close to 3,000 plastic surgeons. So uh, in, in regards to acceptance of a, a plastic surgery, people who have relatives who had plastic surgery are very accepting of it because they have seen the benefits and the positive effect that plastic surgery can have in somebody's life. It's all about uh, the emotional state is about confidence, about happiness. Yeah. So I see that in both countries, people who do not uh, view elective cosmetic surgery in a positive prism are people who are not really well educated about the benefits of this uh, intervention. So a lot of times we say that we are psychologists holding a scalpel because by performing sometimes a simple operation, we can change somebody's uh, view about themselves and uh, give them uh, the uh, positive outlook in life. And uh, this is really the uh, effect that we want to give. It's not just a superficial change on somebody's face or body. In right. the United Kingdom, this is a little less accepting. It's the, the percentage of people are, is lower. It's approximately only 25% of people in the UK who say they would uh, be likely or very likely to consider plastic surgery for themselves. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was so um, different in the UK. I thought that it was kind of equal. 
Um, but that's shocking to hear that. It's catching I'm- up. So through these two last uh, years, we have seen a lot more uh, UK patients, especially around the big uh, urban centers where they have seen patients who had plastic surgery. They have seen now in social media, the techniques that we use and the effects and the results. And that gives people confidence because the number one reason for people not having plastic surgery is that they fear that it will go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, that's my fear. <laughs> yeah, yes, for everybody's fear. So once yeah. you realize that in, in safe hands, plastic surgery is extremely safe, then you, you feel more confident about perhaps getting a consultation and getting an opinion. Yeah, and I, but I, I, Dr. Yannis, I mean, you have to agree that it depends on people doing their homework, right? It's like, you know, you have to do your homework. Like, I feel like so many consumers, like, they just want to say, okay, plastic surgeon XYZ, you know? Like, you have to know where your surgery, your surgeon's coming from. And that's something I think is, like, you know, in the U.S., I've noticed that, like, a lot of people will go for these procedures, but they don't know, first of all, anything about the procedure. And second of all, they're going to people who are not fully certified or, like, you know, just not the right people to go to. And I feel like social media has this, like you know, we have a a responsibility to highlight, you know, if you're somebody who wants to opt in for plastic procedures, that's fine. But you have to do your homework, you know, in the sense of like, find out who the best surgeons are, find out what you need, what they specialize in, can they do the procedure? Most of the time they're going to be able to, but you know, those kind of things, I wish consumers, there was a more like understanding, you know, in the social media culture, because you know, it's it's very, very important. Like, you know, if somebody asked me tomorrow, they said, Ekta, I want to get such and such done. What are, what's the surgeon you recommend? Obviously I would recommend you because I know you, you know, but yeah, then like if, if someone doesn't yeah. know you or if someone doesn't know someone, of, you know, just uh, up to your caliber, they will recommend somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. And I think that has a lot to do with how, you know, plastic surgery has gotten this bad reputation because of just botched up jobs that other, you know, doctors have done. So I I really encourage people like, you know, make sure you know who you're going to and you've done the homework, you know, just make sure you you have done your homework. Yeah, do your research. Uh, Look look at the uh, background of the doctor, look at board certification, look at experience, uh, ask to see results and also talk to not just one, I would recommend at least two or uh, optimally three different doctors to get different opinions and then go back, reflect, see who is for you the best person. You have to have also good personal rapport with your surgeon. It's not just about what you see and what you read about the doctor. Is once you met the doctor, do you feel comfortable with him? Do you agree with his philosophy? Do you see that in case uh, there is a disagreement in the future, you would be uh, antagonizing with him or do you feel that this is going to be your friend a, a doctor who will always try to help you come over any potential problems and help you achieve your goals so these are very important questions that every patient has to answer before committing to any operation I love that and I totally agree with you I think that's a really good guide for everyone listening definitely take notes of that because you should be doing that as Dr. Giannis mentioned um now you know my final question for you Dr. Giannis is really about just where you get your inspiration because like I said in the beginning of the interview 
I mean, you're truly just, you're a master of your craft in so many ways. And I have such admiration for your work. And, you know, I look at the skincare line and I think about it, you know, from the perspective of, okay, here's somebody who is a trained surgeon, you know, and you've applied your work in this beautiful way on this biomedical, um, you know, this direction that is very much geared towards research-based, right? And so I would love for you to explain to us, you know, what are some of the things that really inspire you from your surgical practice that lead to creating something new for the skincare range for one-on-one skin? Uh, well, I have to say, thank you for posing this question because this really gives me opportunity to say some important things because doctors and particularly surgeons, we are trained to perform every operation in what we call surgical precision. We want to be as much as possible, close to being a hundred percent perfect. Yeah. And this is really the aspiration of any, any good surgeon. We, we want to create the best possible results without creating any problems. And this is the inspiration behind actually creating my skincare. I, when I was starting my practice, I couldn't find products that I could give to my patients would, would deliver this promise, surgical precision results with skincare. And this is what uh, our brand is striving to achieve. And I believe it has actually achieved it uh, with, uh, with the serums, with the biocellulose and uh, the hydrogel masks and looking at ingredients which are scientifically proven to improve the skin without any of the additives that are harmful for the skin. Right, that, right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that is something that, you know, it really does stand out is this is this surgical precision in the skincare. I mean, that is something that I can definitely say, you know, two years ago when I interviewed your brand for the first time and then used it, you know, continuously, I... I'm addicted to the line. You know, everybody knows that. I think everybody I know knows that, you know, like there's no, <laughs> I mean, there are products where I'm like, this is the only product, you know, I use is one one skins because you're right. There is that surgical precision in the results you see. You start seeing real results that are subtle enough to where you notice them, but they're beautiful. You know what I mean? They're just like, it's like your skin being enhanced from the from within and so that requires so much understanding of like i said physiology you know biology obviously surgery um you know but it, it's just wonderful to see that that you're really pioneering the way for this movement and i think this whole area this you know this precise type of skincare is an entire niche in itself so i'm just so honored to to be interviewing you and to really get to know one-on-one skin like that because it's, it's a beautiful line that you've created Thank you so much for giving me this uh, wonderful opportunity to talk about all this uh, very important to me subjects and also to have the opportunity to talk to you again yes no thank you it was such an honor i always love talking to you um for everyone listening you know i am dr Giannis's biggest fan so i have nothing more to say other than go buy one-on-one skin products i'm telling you you guys <laughs> there's nothing else like it on the market once you get hooked you're hooked i mean that's really what it is and i really um you know i i'm excited to really share more information about the um the brand new procedure you mentioned dr Giannis. um you know where it's with the with the next 
neck lift and the facelift. So I will be adding that to the art for this episode. So everyone that's listening, stay tuned for some visuals. But uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Giannis. This has been such a such an honor. And I want to say hello to Eva. So hopefully she's you know listening in. If she is, hello. You know I miss her too. <laughs> I will I will pass it on. Actually, uh, she's not with me right now, but she says hello. She was very excited that we were doing this, and uh, <laughs> she sent you her regards. Oh, that's lovely. No, I'm such a fan. And, you know, I, um, I I really, really, like I said, I urge everybody check out the brand and it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful line. And Dr. Giannis, you're truly brilliant. So thank you again. And for everyone listening, I will be back next time. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.